This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. Hi, this is John Bateman, and you are listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found on all your podcasting formats and anxietycanada.ca. Today, I'm speaking with Gianna Pilaniagam from the CMHA Bounce Back Youth Advisory Committee. That's the Canadian Mental Health Association Bounce Back Youth Advisory Committee. Hi, Gianna. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. The show's called Our Anxiety Stories, so I'd like you to start by sharing your anxiety story. Okay, so for me, the first time I really dealt with that sense of anxiety consistently was when I started my first year of university. So I was living on campus at the time, and going into the year, I had a lot of high hopes. I um, was really looking forward to this next chapter in my life, but When I got there, I was so completely overwhelmed. I just was hit with this huge sense of imposter syndrome because it seemed like literally every single person already had a friend group and wasn't looking to make friends. And it felt like no matter what class I was in, I heard people talk about how easy the material was and um, how everything's just going so well for them. But for me, I had to give it like my 200% to even attempt to stay on top of everything. So slowly, just this big sense of anxiety started to creep in that I wasn't enough in a sense and Mm -hmm. that all these other people seemed to be doing so well. And I was just constantly worrying that I wasn't where I needed to be in comparison. And it was especially hard to escape that because I was living on campus. So every corner I turned, I would see someone studying or working um, with other groups or talking to all these groups of friends, especially like at 4 a.m. sometimes or midnight, all these different things. And so what I found was soon that anxiety just started popping up even at times when I wasn't actively thinking about it. Um, So say I was in line to get food, sometimes I just start to feel really nauseous or my heart would start to beat really fast. So for me, it was really, I had to spend a lot of my time and energy just trying to navigate that through my first year. Yeah, so was that the first time in your life that you kind of experienced Uh, anxiety on that level like were you aware of the sensation before that um I've definitely felt like it in places here and there but that was really the first time it was just constantly hounding me in a sense Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah so I mean this this is uh, obviously super common for people who are like leaving high school or starting college and it's interesting you know you talk about uh, imposter syndrome I think many people have imposter syndrome. I think that's really super common. I don't know if anybody, if people really, not everybody may know what that means, but it just basically means you don't think that you are where you should be, or you don't think you're worthy of being where you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of comparing to other people. Yeah. That's what you're feeling. So how did it manifest? Like how did the anxiety manifest in you was it you said it was nauseous was it you know did you get pit in your stomach did you did it start to limit your ability to function in school yeah for sure so for me it was it was bad in the sense that um sometimes would just come randomly so I'd feel these physical sensations like you said like that pin my stomach um but it also just 
made me kind of close in on myself in a sense. So um, because I lived on campus, there were opportunities um, within my residence to go to all these events and meet new people, but it was just kind of, um, it just started to make me close off in a way too, um, because I was just so afraid of what people would think about me, or I was always thinking, oh, I can't go to this, I have to work on school, or things like that, so it was just really stopped me, like you said, from like probably living my best life in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I, it can be so isolating, can't it? Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've certainly experienced that and I've experienced that kind of, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, if you're talking about uh, flawed thought processes, um, you've got mind reading in there. Mm-hmm. So that's where you're kind of guessing what everybody else is thinking, what everybody <laughs> else is doing. That's a real, that's a big one with a lot of people and it's a difficult one to get over. How did you start to sort of round the corner with your anxiety? Where did you start to get a better understanding and, and where did you start to feel like you started to get control of it? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was just after a certain point, it was just like I was, I realized I was just constantly really unhappy, even when I was um, achieving good things or doing really well in my own life. So I realized at that point that it was just. Um, really prohibiting me from being happy with myself. So um, what I tried to do was in the moment, say I was feeling those sensations, like I felt kind of weak or my heart was beating really fast. I did a lot of grounding techniques. So mm-hmm. um, that can be the things like the five, four, three, two, one with your senses. Or I would um, try to put myself in the moment by saying, okay, let me pick out something from every person's outfit that walks by that I really like, or just something to keep me in that present. And then what I would do after is I would, um, I wouldn't put it off. So I would not put off sorting through what just happened. Like, why did I feel the way I felt? Because I knew if I did, I would maybe forget part of the story, or I would just feel compelled not to go through with it. So I just um, made time for myself. And I thought, about three things. One, what was the root? So why did I feel the way I felt? Was it um, something to do with my academic performance? Or was it something to do with what I, again, that mind reading, what I thought other people were thinking of? Um, What really was that root? Then I thought of things ways to kind of limit those feelings. So did I need to stop um, kind of exposing myself to certain things as much until I could get a better grasp on how to handle them? Mm-hmm. And then finally, I wanted to have sort of what I call like an action item. So what can I do to um, really help me just push through this? So for me, sometimes um, one of the problems I had was I felt like, like, say everyone at university was dressed really well. And I felt like I had to keep up appearances. So what I would do is I'd say, okay, you're going to go out in sweats today. Um, You're not going to put that much effort in. And you're Mm -hmm. just going to see what happens when you put yourself in that environment like that. And so I would just give myself like little actions or challenges to do. um, Exposure therapy there. Yeah, to kind of really push myself to um, break through those feelings. So, okay. I mean, what you're talking about, those tools that you're talking about, those are what I consider to be fairly, um, you know, advanced kind of cognitive behavioral therapy tools. Like, did you research this? Did you see somebody who helped you with this? How did you, how did you gather these tools? I think part of it was, um, I feel like a lot of 
people now are talking more about things like this, um, those tools we can use, especially on things like social media. Um, a lot of celebrities are also talking about these things too a bit more openly now. So I get ideas from there, but I also feel like um, a lot of this is just came from a place of reflection and inner thought. And it just made me think that um, like, like I wanted to know why I was feeling the way I was feeling because I think a lot of us with struggling with this know that a lot of these thoughts aren't rational and we know they're not true and we know that um, definitely they're not they don't have a lot of validity to them but we still can't help but feel the way we do for some reason or another so for me I just really wanted to get to the root of that and I feel like um, a lot of people can give us insight and tips into how to deal with these in our own ways but we can only really deal with it the way that is best for us. So I spent a lot of time thinking about what that would look like for me. That's incredible because what you're talking about, so you're talking about basically being introspective mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of searching, you know, how you internally can change your thoughts and perceive the world differently externally. Um, it took me, just to give you an idea, it took me till I was about 45 I'm 52 now. It took mm -hmm. me till I was about 45 to get to that point. So mm -hmm. it's really remarkable that you, you know, at that younger age were doing that. I, um, it's, uh, and, and maybe that speaks to the fact that uh, it, it, it is more open now than it was years ago. But I mean, what you're talking about is some pretty, it sounds like stuff that was pretty built in. Did your, did your peers at the time have, have an awareness of what was going on um, when you're going through this stuff? Um, yeah, definitely. So I actually, my roommate um, on campus, she was a good friend of mine from high school and she was going through a pretty similar thing too. She had that same imposter syndrome, that same feeling of um, not constantly not being good enough. And I think that's mm -hmm. something that definitely was, I feel like it, it plagues a lot of people our age, um, but nobody really wants to talk about it because everyone's just very concerned with keeping up that um, I'm doing fine. I'm like, I've got this kind of mentality, right? So for me, it was tough in the sense that I didn't want to say anything um, that would make me look quote unquote bad in a way um, and let people know what was really going on. But the people I was uh, close to definitely knew that this was something that was really overwhelming. And I feel like a lot of them could relate in one way or another to those same feelings. Yeah. So did you end up engaging in discussion? Like, did you have discussion? Did you just, was it just in conversation and was that helpful to you? It's actually really funny because um, I thought, so when it came to my roommate and I, I thought she was doing really well in school. I thought she was, um, she had made all these different friends. And so at first I was kind of hesitant to really give her the full scope of what was going on too. But it was funny because one day I was in my room studying and she actually came up to me and she was like, hey, can I talk to you about something? And she told me about everything and how she was really struggling to keep up with all these different things in her life too. And so I was shocked because I thought I was the only one really dealing with this. So it really opened up my eyes and it really opened my eyes to the concept of just because somebody isn't visibly struggling, it doesn't mean that they don't need help in a way. So um, for me, it was a huge relief to find someone who shared those same um, struggles. And we really just sat with each other and talked about and talked about ways we could be there for each other a little more and support each other during this, these um, times. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. I mean, so often, it, you know, when I kind of went transparent, transparent with my mental health issues, uh, depression, anxiety, primarily anxiety, mm-hmm. um, I found as soon as I did, um, people just would stop me in the street. And, and it would be people that I thought were, like you said, you know, highly functioning, super happy, um, mm-hmm. has life by the tail kind of people. And they don't. It's I think it's incredibly liberating for people when when you as a person have the courage to kind of become transparent, which in this case, your roommate, you know, kind of preempted you on that, but it, it still arrived at the same conclusion. So now you, you've been working with uh, Bounce Back Youth Advisory Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what caused you to kind of go that route in, in terms of advocacy and helping out on that level? I actually first started with them when I was in grade 11 and to be quite honest I was just looking for volunteer hours at that time in my life but once I started it really opened my eyes in the sense that I had no idea Um, that's actually where I learned about CBT for the first time and I had no idea about all these different layers and complexities when it came to mental health and all these um, barriers and things people have from accessing the help they need so for me it was really um, about breaking down that stigma because there's a huge stigma when it comes to this still Um, I definitely like I said earlier like even I was um, kind of fell victim to that where I didn't want to say tell people about what was going on um, and how overwhelmed I was feeling because of that stigma so for me it was really important to make sure people knew that there's nothing to be ashamed about in asking for help when it comes to these things or um, making sure you're taking care of yourself and being open about these things so that's kind of where I really learned to appreciate the beauty in mental health advocacy. So from there, I um, I learned that they were having another cohort a couple years later. So I volunteered to sign up for that. And again, we I just got more and more um, engaged and my eyes opened even further than that. So for me, it was just continuing that work, um, making sure that I am contributing to that conversation and making sure that people other people can be heard too and they have a space to really um, open up their voice about the issues they're facing. Yeah what an interesting path that you kind of started you know down this road of advocacy or or being involved with it before you even really started experiencing it on that what I would call I guess a critical level that's pretty Mm -hmm. interesting that 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 you went in that direction and and I think also worth noting that Many times people, they, they help people who have anxiety, they help people who have depression, um, mm-hmm. but they often remain in denial of what they're going through themselves, or they mm-hmm. feel some sense of shame too. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying sometimes it can be very liberating to open up to that with, with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that um, in terms of advocating for this, it's totally one thing I feel like... Um, to advocate for something but once you've gone through it um and come can't come with that experience that lived experience it's a totally another um perspective you have and it really helps your advocacy in a sense too does it ever it's a really uh, if you have it in you uh, not everybody not everybody has it in them to do what you're doing to you know step up and 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 have a, do an interview and be very candid about your experience 
Um, but yeah, it's, if you have that skill, you know, because that's something with me, I, you know, with me, I've got, I get generalized anxiety, um, but I can go up on a stage. I can talk on a microphone. I can do anything like that all day long. I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, My anxiety manifests itself in different ways. So, you know, just like you, once you start realizing that you can use those kind of unique tools to communicate to people, it's very, very powerful and incredibly helpful for people. Mm -hmm. Are you still with uh, the Bounce Back Youth Advisory Committee? Um, We just wrapped up our cohort um, recently, but we are looking to extend our role. So um, starting this fall, I'm probably going to go back into it. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. So you, you really are deeply involved here. (laughs) Yes. Do you, do you have uh, any dreams or desires to continue down the advocacy role beyond the youth advisor committee? Yeah, so right now I just started a role um, with Founder BC on their um, Youth Advisory Committee. I just been um, certified to become a Jack Talk, sorry, I can't even speak right now, a Jack Talk speaker with Jack.org. And I've just been looking for more and more roles to kind of pick up in this regard because, um, again, I really feel the need to speak about this and make sure it gets to more ears because I know growing up, I didn't really know a lot about this. I didn't really know what mental health was or how to take care of my mental health. So um, for me, it's just getting this message to as many ears as possible and really making sure people know that we as a society are a safe space to talk about these issues. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, uh, places like Bounce Back, BC and Anxiety Canada. I mean, that's what we strive to do to, to provide those safe spaces for people to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that the the work you're doing and, and the fact that you um, at this age uh, have come so far uh, with your work, your personal work is really um, incredible. I, you know, I, I, I have to congratulate you on that because for a lot of people, it can be, it can be very paralyzing, but um, with more people like you out there, I think that more people stand a chance. I, I, um, I, I like to try to talk to as much as possible young people because I think it, what, what, to circle back, what I think was really interesting about your story and, and um, very common was that people start almost spontaneously having mental health issues sometimes at that age, uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. That's certainly when mine hit and, and seemingly for no reason. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's really confusing for people. Yeah. And I feel like it's also a, a stage where, you know, you're in such a rush to go places with your life, you know, and you're in such a rush to say, okay, well, this person is already doing this and this person's doing this. So I have to be doing this too. And you don't really stop to really think like, okay, like, is this really good for me in a sense. This is good for my life, productive to my life. And I feel like a lot of times we get this message in society, especially with, um, you know, mainstream media these days and all these different things that, okay, I have to keep pushing, 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 pushing. I'm young, I can do this. But we don't really pause to think and um, think about, okay, but are we really doing things that are good for ourselves and stopping along the way to make sure we're doing all right? Because there's only so much that a a train and an engine can really handle right so much of a load so we have to make sure that 
we're also getting this message across to young people that, um, yeah, it's great to challenge yourself, but you know, there's limits to what you can do and there's limits to what you should be pushing yourselves to achieve. So I think that's the really, the struggle there too, is we don't want to, we want to make sure that we're achieving all these things. We don't want to make, we want to make sure people don't see us struggle, but that's not realistic. And we are going to have those challenges along the way. For sure. And I think an important piece of that is also people taking the time to recognize what they have accomplished. And when it comes to anxiety, um, that can be anything. Uh, I've had anxiety to the point in my life where literally getting up and brushing my teeth is an accomplishment. And it's a valid accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to take the time to acknowledge that. They don't have to write it down. Sometimes it definitely helps to write it down. Um, But they can just acknowledge the stuff that they've accomplished. And uh, once you start building up sort of that, you know, that foundation of what you've done in your life at such a young age, you know, there's something that you can really build on from there. Mm -hmm. And that's a common theme we um, try to push for with the CMHA, we have a, um, a campaign called Celebrate Everyday Victories. And it's just those small things. I feel like we often um, don't look at things in our own perspective, in our own world, in our own kind of bubble, but we kind of try to compare it with everything around us. And again, that's not realistic and that's not healthy. So I think like you said, what you said is totally true. We really need to take that time to just um, put everything into perspective for us. And yeah, if I haven't been feeling great and I got up and brushed my teeth, that's great for me. If I went on a walk today, that's great for me. And just really not be so hard on ourselves, but really recognize ourselves for the things that we are doing. Yeah, definitely. Well, the things that you're doing are truly remarkable. Um, You know, thank you you for what you're doing. Um, So that's the Canadian Mental Health Association and uh, that's bouncebackbc.ca. Uh, Jana, thank you very much for talking to me and best of luck in the future. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Anytime. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.